Welcome to Now Appalachian, hosted by author and Appalachian resident, Elliot Parker. This show profiles the authors and publishers that have connections to the Appalachian region and how those connections influence and impact their works. And now, Appalachian. And hello, friends. We welcome you once again to another episode of Now Appalachia, heard here on the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network, as we continue to bring to you the publishers and authors with connections to Appalachia and how this region influences and impacts their work. I'm Elliot Parker. It's great to have you with us. As we do each and every episode, we're coming to you just from the outskirts of the University of Mississippi in Oxford, Mississippi. So we're always happy to be here and always happy to be a part of the southernmost northern city in the Appalachian region. So once you get past uh, south of Oxford, Mississippi, you've gotten out of the Appalachian region. So we're happy to be the southernmost Appalachian uh, part of the area. So always glad to be here and bring uh, the program to you. And as we've been talking about, and if you've been following with our program and our podcast the last few weeks, we've been talking about a special series of podcast recordings that we're going to be doing over the next several episodes here on Now Appalachia, sort of turning away from books and authors specifically and talking more about the business side of publishing and kind of pulling the curtain back so to speak, on what goes on on the other side of publishing. When you're not the writer and you're not the person having a book published, what's going on behind the scenes? And this is in response to a lot of questions and feedback we've received from our listeners over the last uh, three years in terms of uh, programs that we've had, uh, questions that have been addressed by other authors and issues that other authors have brought up and other publishers have brought up during their conversation. We've been keeping track of your questions and we got a lot of the similar questions and the same types of questions over the same types of issues. And they all centered on the business of publishing. And so that's what we're going to be focusing on for the next several episodes here on our program is the business side of publishing and looking at different facets and different sides of publishing. We're going to talk about different kinds of publishing options that are available to you. We're going to talk about editing. Uh, What does a book editor do? And what is the difference between content editing, line editing, and proofreading? And how do you know if your manuscript needs one of those or maybe needs all three? We're going to talk about book publicity and marketing and what does a book publicist do and can you and should you as an author hire a book publicist? And we're also going to talk about the various kinds of publishing options, as I mentioned, that are available to you. And that's where we kick off our special series of sort of the business side of publishing. And joining us here today on Now Appalachian to help us kick off our special series is Ashley Runyon, and she is the acquisitions editor for the University of Kentucky Press in Lexington, Kentucky. And if you're familiar or not familiar with the University Press of Kentucky, they have a dual mission. And one of their missions, which we're going to talk about here uh, in just a little bit, is the publication of significant books about the history and culture of not only Kentucky and the Ohio Valley region, but the other and the upper and southernmost regions of Appalachia. So we're delighted to have Ashley with us here today on Now Appalachia as we kick off our special series about the business side of publishing. So Ashley, welcome to Now Appalachia. So great to have you here and thanks for helping us get things started on our new series. Of course, thank you so much for having me. So I wanted to ask you first something that kind of feeds into a question that we get a lot uh, and have received a lot over the last few years on our show. And that is, I think there's a misnomer that if a writer is thinking about or considering a university press, that you have to be a college professor with a dissertation or a textbook or something like that in order to be able to approach a university press. Can you tell us a little bit about why that's not necessarily true and kind of where UK press falls into that? 
Sure, I, I agree. It is a very common misconception and something that I hear a lot from prospective authors. So depending on when you're talking with a university press, they typically have part of their list would be scholarly. So those are very academic books. These are often written by professors on very niche topics. Um, we're typically sending them out to other professors um, for their review. At Kentucky, that's about half of our list. Um, and these books have very low print runs. They're, they're mostly available online. It's very rare you're ever going to see them in a bookstore. They're for course adoption. And that is Yes, it is a part of what most university presses have as part of their list, but unfortunately, a lot of people think that's all that we do. But most university presses also have a very vibrant trade list, and so trade for us would just mean general interest, and so that can range from whether it's fiction, food, culture. I, for example, handle the film list at Kentucky, so we do a lot of biographies on famous film stars, and so at Kentucky, that's about half of our list, and the majority of our trade authors, those general interest books, Yes, sometimes we'll have some people from academia, but I work with lots of individuals. I work with journalists, I work with writers, I work with a lot of first-time authors. You know, in, the, in this age of new media too, I have a lot of folks who have an Instagram following, who have, you know, a podcast like yourself. And, you know, with them, I'm working to make sure that their writing style is up to the quality that we have for all of our books. But you don't necessarily have to have any sort of academic background or any, you know, necessarily a background in any area, um, you know, if you can write really well and make yourself kind of an authority figure on, on what you're working on. And that's true for us at Kentucky and it's true for, you know, all university presses too. And so if I'm a writer with a manuscript that I want to approach UK Press with or another university press maybe in uh, my state, like if y'all live in Virginia, maybe I want to approach UVA Press or if I live in West Virginia, WVU Press or uh, if I live in Mississippi, I want to approach University of Mississippi Press. Do I need an agent? Do I need someone to kind of speak on my behalf about my manuscript or am I able to submit to you all directly? You can submit to us directly. I do work with some agents. I did, my, my previous job was a trade director in Indiana. And with that job, we're doing a lot of big books um, with agents that are really meant for a general market. But the majority of the books, I would say 90% of the books that we get at Kentucky are not without, are not with an agent. They are with the author. The author is coming to us directly. Each university press has their own submission guidelines. Some, some presses might want just a proposal. Some presses might want a full manuscript. So going, kind of going back to the state that you were in too, I have a lot, another misconception that we have is you have to be from Kentucky um, or we're only publishing books about Kentucky. And we do a lot of books about the region. We do a lot of books on Appalachia. We do a lot of books on Kentucky, um, but we also have a lot of different areas that we publish in. So I mentioned our film list. We're really well known in film. Um, we also do civil rights. We won the Lillian Smith Civil Rights Book of the Year last year. Um, so those are kind of things that people wouldn't think about us. And that's true for every university press that you work at. So at Indiana, we had a very vibrant music list. Um, we did African studies, Jewish studies. Um, we do environmental studies at Kentucky. So I think it really depends on not where you're located, but making sure that you're getting in touch with a press that has published books like yours before. They're publishing in your genre. I may get you know, the most wonderful book um, it, it, that's ever been written submitted to us, but if it's not in one of those areas that we publish in, then it's not even really gonna be something that we can consider, but it might send you on to another university press that specializes in that area. Very good. And so what are some things you're looking for? And I know every book project is different. Every subject is different. You know, you mentioned from film to, to fiction to historical books on uh, issues concerning Kentucky specifically, but 
basically, what are some basic or characteristics you're looking for in a manuscript? What are some things that will help someone's manuscript if they're interested in publishing with UK Press or another press? What are some things that can help their manuscript stand out in terms of structure, writing style, those kinds of issues? Absolutely. And, you know, I do mostly nonfiction. I do a little bit of fiction. So uh, well, let's talk about nonfiction first and then, and then I'll address fiction because I think they're a little bit different when you're doing that. So with nonfiction, I have a lot of people who, who will send me an email and they say, what do you think about a book on this? And that'll be the extent of the email. And really a book about anything could be great, but that's not enough to go on. So when someone is sending a proposal to me, I really want to see that they've thought it through. Because if, you, you're, if you're not really wanting to have the commitment to put together a very thoughtful proposal, you're probably not going to put together a very thoughtful book. Um, so the first thing that I really encourage authors to think about is, what is your going to be a table of contents? What is the flow of the book going to be? What are the big areas and, and, and topics that you want to address? And how are they going to transition from each other? So a great proposal for me is really thinking about this is the structure of the book. And for me, that's the first thing that comes together with any project. So you have to know where it's going. Um, you know, sitting down and writing the introduction isn't necessarily going to help you once you get kind of farther into the book. Um, the other thing that I want to make sure that we have for a lot of these two is a great writing sample. And I can't underestimate, um, you know, the, the necessity for, for good writing. And writing can be different. You know, when I'm looking at a biography, I'm, I'm very much looking for a very specific style versus a bourbon book that I would work at in Kentucky too. Um, you know, it's not necessarily has to be a stodgy style, but it does have to be a style that really goes well with that book. Um, and with fiction, you know, I think it's really important to have that hook. When you are working with an editor or if you're working with a director at a press, they see hundreds of proposals and manuscripts a year. Um, and unfortunately, you know, we can only do a handful of those. So making sure that you're having that hook and making sure that you're kind of talking about that you understand the process too, and that it's going to be a partnership. Um, for me, when I have an author that has great structure, has a great writing sample, but also understands that it's not just gonna be a handoff of a manuscript, um, that we're gonna be working on it together and that you're open to that kind of dialogue with us, that really does go a long way for me. Um, so I think no matter whether you're doing nonfiction or fiction, having a proposal that really lays out that you've thought this through, that you've thought this is the right press for me and this is a great project for me is really gonna help um, someone to be able to really get to that next step, which we would kind of consider an internal review and then a peer review. And so let me ask you another question that comes up a lot that, that we've had asked sort of off uh, podcast or off air. And that is the question about audience or market audience. Uh, I know that's really important for nonfiction. You know, who's, who do you think is going to read this, this biography of whomever or this um, uh, book about a war that took place in where in what specific year and specific time. Uh, but I know in a lot of fiction uh, requests that publishers have and agents too, uh, they ask, you know, who do you intend your market to be? Or who do you think your market audience is going to be? When a writer gets to that question, what, what is it really that the press wants to know? Uh, and you can speak, you know, for UK press or just in general, when a, a writer gets to that question, because I know a lot of them freeze up when they have to fill out their submissions materials and they think about audience. What is it that, that you're wanting to see or that in general most publishers want to see when they're asked that question? They ask a writer a question about who's your intended audience? Who do you think your market audience is for this book? 
Yeah, I we have that we have that that question on our proposal guidelines, and I had that at my my previous press as well. And the most common answer that authors put on there is that their book is for everyone. Well, if your book is for everyone, then your book is for no one. Um, and so I think that that is something that people think, oh, well, it's it's going to be something that everyone's interested. Well, that makes it really hard to get it out into the market and to be able to sell that book too. Um, so I think very much like what we were talking about with the proposal, I want to see that someone's thought it through. Um, I don't necessarily expect all of my authors to be marketing geniuses. I don't necessarily, um, you know, think that they need to know everything about the audience and have all of the right answers. But if you've thought it through, if you can say, you know, this journal is going to be really excited about this or this podcast or these people and really thinking about the ways that you can get out there to folks that are going to be influenced by your book. To me, that means that you are engaged, that you have some sort of platform too. Um, you know, in the day of social media, it's not just enough to, to write a book now. There's more content than any of us could read in our entire lifetime. It, it's how do you make sure that you're um, making yourself a, a really good platform to be able to get that information out there too. We're speaking with Ashley Runyon, the acquisitions editor for the University of Kentucky Press here on Now Appalachia. She headlines and kicks off our new series of podcasts here on the program where we're looking at uh, the business side of publishing. And Ashley's talking with us today about university presses. And so, you know, Ashley, in doing some research on the University uh, Press of Kentucky, you all have been around for a long time, uh, since 1969, kind of as the University Press of Kentucky. Prior to that, uh, since 1943, it was the University of Kentucky Press. But I wanted to ask you, what do you think makes University Press of Kentucky stand out amongst all the other university presses that exist, not just in Appalachia, but really nationwide? What makes UK Press, in your opinion, really stand out and really different and unique? Yeah, well, I think my biased answer as someone who is from Kentucky is that it's home and it's so meaningful. But when you're thinking about people that are outside of the state, while we're really different than a lot of other university presses, we're a consortium press. So our offices are located at the University of Kentucky. As you mentioned, you know, we were originally instated as the University of Kentucky Press. And then Thomas E. Clark, um, who was the state historian, he came in and really saw the need for having a lot of the universities together in one, one consortium press to really stand up for the whole state. And so when you look at a lot of other states, you'll see multiple university presses and often they're competing um, you know, some of the same books. Um, they, they're affiliated with different universities. We are all of the public, and co public um, colleges and universities in the state. We're five of the private colleges and universities in the state and then the Kentucky and Ipsilson Historical Societies. So we have an editorial board that is made up of all those different schools and we get together four times a year and talk about the projects that we're going to do. We talk about the mission of the press and really the direction that we want the books that we're doing to, to go from there. And I think that's so special because it gives me an opportunity to be in touch with folks from Louisville, be in touch with folks from Western Kentucky, from Appalachia. Um, from Northern Kentucky in a way that we wouldn't be able to do if we were just housed in Lexington. And, uh, you know, we have been, in the, in the last few years, we've been through a, a lot of changes at the University Press of Kentucky. Um, I, I guess I'll, I'll kind of go into our state funding right now a little bit. Um, back in, in 2018, that was something that was cut um, from the state funding. And we are very lucky to have the Thomas D. Clark Foundation um, as a supporter of us. And given that consortium opportunities that we have with all of those colleges and universities, you had a lot of people who stood up and said, 
the university press is important. It's important because it's telling stories and publishing books that wouldn't be viable in, in a national market. And so we were able to have people really stand up to us um, for the state legislatures. And I'm very happy to say um, that last year, our state funding was renewed. And as of last week, it was renewed again for this year too. So our future is looking, um, looking very bright. And I think that it is because of our consortium model and being able to say that we're not just the University of Kentucky, we are, we're the publisher for Kentucky, for the state. And that's kind of what we wanna say um, you know, for everyone in the Commonwealth. Fantastic. And just a connection back to the University of Mississippi, uh, you succeeded uh, uh, Leela Salisbury, who used to be the director of the University Press of Mississippi, and then she came to be the director of the University Press of Kentucky from 2016 until 2019. So a little bit of a connection there between uh, two different parts of Appalachia in terms of your press's history. But you worked at the press full-time for eight years. Uh, you later served as the trade director for Indiana University Press, and you talked to us a little bit about what trade press involves. Uh, but then you came back to the University Press of Kentucky as director. So how did you get involved in all of this and working at presses and being trade managers? How, how did Ashley Runyon kind of fall into all of this? Well, you know, I, it's kind of, I've come full circle. I actually was an intern um, at the University Press of Kentucky when I was in college. And um, I actually got my start in publishing as the, as the yearbook editor at UK, um, which uh, unfortunately is, is obsolete these days. Um, it breaks my heart because I love the Kentuckian so much. Um, but I was able to work as a marketing assistant at the University Press. And then I left to go to grad school and did a little bit of here and there and everywhere in media. So I worked at a newspaper in two different magazines. And then there was another marketing position that came open at the University Press of Kentucky in 2008. Um, and then I transitioned into acquisitions and I spent about the next decade working in acquisitions. And for those who don't know, acquisitions is just what are we going to publish? Um, so really taking a look at those proposals and manuscripts that come in, reaching out to folks that either have written other books and we think they might make a good author for us working with agents and kind of deciding um, what books are going to be good for us. And as I mentioned, as a Kentucky native, it, it really is close to my heart um, being able to think about projects um, that influence the state. And so it's been um, really a dream coming back um, this year. I just had my year anniversary um, as the new director and given, given the pandemic, it's been a very interesting year to say the least, but it's been you know really great and people have been so welcoming to have me back too. Um, and I think that we've made a lot of progress in, in the last year and I'm really looking forward to the next years um, to come at UPK. Our guest today on Now Appalachia is Ashley Runyon. She is the acquisitions editor and director for the University Press of Kentucky, as she helps us kick off and headline our new series of podcasts on the business side of publishing. And so, Ashley, I know you talked a little bit about, about funding, and I know that um, the situation you were describing a moment ago about the funding issue that um, the University Press of Kentucky was dealing with, with the legislature, and there were some talks about pulling that funding to save money for um, whatever reason in the state budget. And I know some other states uh, are going through this as well. I know uh, you and I talked before the show, Kansas, uh, the University of Kansas Press is having a similar battle that you all had um, uh, and been fighting over the last couple of years. But if I'm a writer, if I'm a reader, and I live in a state, especially if I live in an Appalachian state, and I have a university press as part of my state's uh, arts culture scene, why should I care if the university press survives or not? Mm -hmm. and, and I get that question a lot. And it, for me, it starts with 
do you care about the culture, the history, and the heritage of the area that you're in? So when we talk about the, the different ways that funding and money in general make up the income for a university press, the majority of most university presses, the majority of their budget comes from outside sales. And those are really from those trade books that we were talking about. So general interest books, the ones that you're going to see in bookstores, they're going to take the majority of that money and, and be able to fund salaries. But unfortunately, it's not going to cover everything. And why it doesn't cover everything is that we're publishing a lot of history, um, very small print run books that are, uh, they can be niche sometimes, but they're very important. We also do, and, and I guess I should have mentioned this from the beginning too, one of the biggest ways that university presses are different from commercial publishers is we're doing a very extensive peer review for all of our projects. Um, so they go through multiple layers of review to ensure that they are the highest quality, um, the best research, that they are you know, top notch as they can be in their area. And to be able to do that, we wanna be able to have that information available for people to be able to, to have that information for decades um, to come. Most university presses also have an open access component. Um, so they have a lot of that information free and available to folks in their state or folks at their university. Um, so why I would say that university presses are important is because you know, our regions are important, our history is important. And without that, then you end up that you're only publishing things that have commercial viability. And you know that is good for big bourbon books. If you're Kentucky, that's good for film biographies. But what about the history of water in Kentucky? Um, you know, what about um, you know, the history of, 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 of Blacks and African Americans in the state? What about thinking about um, ways that people have contributed throughout history? Um, and, and for now, too, without being able to have university presses, you're really, you're really limiting the information that folks have about um, both the region that they're in and scholarly um, publishing in general. Yeah, very, very well said. So uh, I know you may not be able to uh mention any of this information now, but can you give us a, a broad sense of what is to come in 2021 for the University Press of Kentucky in terms of maybe some new releases that are coming, maybe uh, just some general themes maybe you guys are focusing on for this year in terms of book publishing. Uh, can you give us any insight into what 2021 is going to look like uh, for the press? Because as you said, 2020 was just such an awful year for writers and publishers and really everybody involved in books. Uh, what's, go what's 2021 going to look like? Yeah, well, I think 2021 looks very exciting. Um, so we are doing right now, we're doing a big film push and that's an area that I work into. So we have some really great biographies um, on some very famous film stars. We're also doing some books that we had kind of picked up um, for paperback um, to be able to have this spring. And then our big release that we have coming out Derby Day is Just a Few Miles South by Weta Michael. Um, she is a very well-known chef in the in the region. Um, it's a beautiful book. Um, it has a, it's had a cloth bind down the, down the middle kind of modeled after the, the Magnolia table if folks are familiar with that book. Um, WIDA is partnered with the Hyndman Settlement School and they host the Appalachian Writers Workshop every year. So we have an imprint with them and we're working directly with them on that book. We have all local people associated with that. So we have a local author, a local artist, um, you know, we're promoting it nationally too. So that's kind of our big spring release. And then in the fall, we have two big new releases that I'm very excited about. Um, we are doing a new edition of Heartwood by National Book Award winner Nikki Finney. Um, so we're going to be doing a new version of that book. And then we have Perfect Black um, by Crystal Wilkinson. Um, we had pub previously published um, The Birds of Opulence by Crystal. And just last week, she was named um, the new Kentucky po Poet Laureate. And last month, she was um, named Kentucky Reads by Kentucky Humanities. So 
have a lot of really great new titles um, that are coming out with with a lot of partnerships. And to me, that's really important to uh, if we're the state publisher that we're partnering with all of these folks in the state, like the Hyman Settlement School um, and like some of the historical societies that we have. So I think the next year looks fantastic. Um, we have lots of really good books. Uh, we have two new series that we've just launched in the last year too. Um, one of this, them is Race and Sports, and that is affiliated with Gerald Smith and Derek White, who are both um, University of Kentucky professors. And then we also have um, a new series that we just announced right before the Appalachian Studies Conference, which is Appalachian Futures. And that is focused on Black, Native, queer, and other um, ignored identities within the region. And our series editors are Crystal Wilkinson, who I just um, mentioned there, um, Annette Sinuk Clapsaddle and Davis Shoulder. So we have a really impressive advisory board for that one and really trying to, you know, amplify voices in the region that people don't necessarily think about when they think about Appalachia too. So uh, I'm really excited about everything that we're going. Um, if we are thinking about kind of a business side of it too, I do have one other thing that I wanted to mention. And we have about 500 of our books that we are converting from static PDF to, to EPUB. And so that's something that we're thinking about now. We have about 2,000 books that are in print. Um, only about 1,000 of them are in ebook. So that is a huge initiative that we're going in on the back end. So that's something that consumers aren't necessarily seeing, but is a big component of what we're doing um, at the press. And I think if folks are thinking about being an author, really thinking about all the different ways that your content could be packaged is really interesting for people to think about the future of publishing. So the future of publishing is a print book, an ebook, an audio book, possibly another translation too. And so I do encourage authors when they're thinking about their book to think about all of the different ways um, that it could be packaged and kind of incorporate that when they're, when they're thinking about their project as well. Fantastic. Well, it does sound like 2021 is going to be uh, a great year, but also a very yeah. busy year as well uh, for the University Press of Kentucky. So that sounds like a, a lot of great things happening, and we'll be sure uh, to follow it here on the program. So, um, Ashley, let me ask you uh, one final question as we finish up. If we have someone in our audience who's listening today, they think they've got a manuscript you might be interested in, that the uh, University Press of Kentucky might be interested in, um, where can they go to find out your guidelines? Uh, what's the turnaround time for getting a response? Uh, what are kind of the steps in the process uh, once they reach out to you in terms of what they're going to hear back from you all and when concerning their manuscript? Absolutely. So you go to KentuckyPress.com and we have a tab across the top that's for authors. And so that has all of our submission guidelines. It also has the areas that we publish in and who, which editor handles those. And what I would recommend is, you know, if you're not in those topics of consideration to think about, uh, you know, uh, whether a press might be appropriate for you, um, the LiteraryMarketplace.com is a great place that you can go in and type in the subject of whatever you're writing about. And it'll give you publishers that, that publish in that area. But if you do, you know, fit some of those topics, you know, email us, introduce yourself, um, tell us what you're working on, um, send a proposal um, for us to be able to consider. We typically like to get back with folks um, in about four to six weeks. That's typically our time frame. Um, so we do try to turn around that first touch of being able to say, yes, we're interested in kind of moving forward. And moving forward for us is we've done the internal review. We say, yes, this is something that we are, we're really interested in that we'd like to consider. 
And then it goes out to two readers. And what I like to tell folks about acquisitions is acquisitions editors know a little bit about a lot of things. And we're reviewing a project for fit for our list. We're writing it, we're doing it for style, um, for marketability, for audience. But I want two people who know a whole lot more about the topic that we're talking about to take a look at it as well. So I'll take a look. Um, we'll have two outside readers. And then at that point, we'll start talking about an advanced contract. So I think that's, that's really for us the extra hoop I hate to even call it that because it's it sounds um, like you have to jump through some some extra hoops but ultimately I tell authors the more hands that are on your book the more people that are giving you feedback ahead of time before the book is published the better that book is going to be and that may mean that it takes a couple extra months for us to move forward with the project but I guarantee that you're going to be happier with that result and ultimately anything that you hear during the review process we want to hear it now instead of after the book is published um, that way it gives us an opportunity to really make it the best that it can be um, so the review process takes about six to eight weeks so I would say when you're getting in touch with us you know four to six weeks to hear back and then about another two months before um, the peer review would be done. So about three to three months, I think that you could think about getting an advanced contract for your project. Fantastic. We've been speaking and had the pleasure of speaking with today here on Now Appalachia, the acquisitions editor for the University Press of Kentucky. Her name is Ashley Runyon. She worked as at the press full-time for eight years, later served as the trade books director at Indiana University Press, and then rejoined the University Press of Kentucky as director back in 2020. So just getting ready to uh, just past her first year and looking forward to a really some great things uh, coming ahead. So uh, Ashley, first of all, thanks so much for coming uh, and joining us here on Now Appalachia. Thanks so much for helping us kick off our new series of podcasts on the business side of publishing and best of luck to you all. Congratulations on getting your funding resecured for another year, but best of luck to you all and to the press for all the exciting projects you have coming forward. And as you keep publishing all those great things, we'd love to have you back on the program to talk about it. So thanks so much. Carol, thanks, Elliot. I appreciate you having me. We also want to take a moment as we wrap up this episode of Now Appalachia to give a special shout out and a thanks to our executive producer of Now Appalachia and the executive producer for all the podcasts you hear and have heard here on the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. Her name is Pam Stack and we couldn't do this uh, each and every episode without Pam's support and all the help and everything she does behind the scenes. So thank you so much, Pam, for all of that. And a reminder, our special series on the business side of publishing continues over the next couple of episodes. We're going to be talking about book publicists and book publicity, say that three times fast, uh, on our next episode. Uh, with uh, Mary Glenn McCombs, who is a Tennessee-based book publicist. She's going to be talking with us about what is book pub publicity. Uh, and if you're an author, if you're an indie author, a self-published author, or maybe a traditionally published author, do you need a publicist? Why should you consider a publicist? And what can a publicist do for you? So we're really looking forward to having Mary Glenn on uh, to give us her insight and perspective on that as we continue with our special series on the business side of publishing. So we hope you've enjoyed uh, this episode with Ashley Runyon, and we hope you'll stay tuned to our next podcast episode with Mary Glenn McCombs. And that's going to do it for us this time on Now Appalachia. Please come again next time. Uh, in the meantime, this is a copyrighted podcast owned and operated by the authors on the Air Global Radio Network. I'm Elliot Parker. Stay well and see you someplace soon, I hope. You've been listening to Now Appalachia. This is a copyrighted podcast owned and operated by the authors on the Air Global Radio Network. Stay tuned. More outstanding podcasts are coming your way next. Stay tuned for more outstanding podcasts from the authors on the Air Global Radio Network.